0: Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos, and we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, inside sports, fantasy football, game source, and of course the Lakers fast break. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our shows, and if you can, please give us that magical five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share. Subscribe. Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos. inside Sports Fantasy Football. Uh, Lakers Fast Break. Just go ahead and check us out. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Vampires and Vitae. Wizards and Wine. All the great stuff that our good friends who are here on Friday... Melinda and Robbie Ross. Go ahead and check out what they do as well. So yeah, if you can go ahead and support them and us, it is sincerely appreciated. And big shout out to all the radio stations playing us worldwide as well. It is always and immensely greatly appreciated when you go ahead and you play the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the evil mastermind behind the Happy Hoarder Go ahead and check out what he's doing today at happyhoardercollectibles.com. It is my good friend indeed. It is a man who is to be congratulated, I should say, for the fifth time. At least on something else with a happy bundle of joy. But when I asked him, I said, congratulations. He said, what for? He's got so many good things, I guess, happening. He's just a man rolling in good things. It is Josh the Great Peterson. Josh. Great to have you here, my friend. Looking for an absolutely fantastic pop culture conversation today.
1: You, you caught me off guard there when you said congratulations. I was trying to remember, like, what did I do lately that was worth being... Congr- oh, you did
0: something. On. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you did something. That's for sure. <laughs> Got another bubble yes, of are, joy on the way.
1: Yeah, we are excited. Um, Babies due end of July, and uh, that will probably be the last addition to the Peterson family.
0: And as I said to you off screen, I believe you as much as I believe a pro wrestler like Sting coming up next month says it's his final match. I just go, (laughs) don't care how you advertise it as a final match. Five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Let's see if he doesn't get the itch to come back one more time. Even Ric Flair, who said he had his final match. They had a pay-per-view and all that stuff. Now he says he's getting the itch to come back in the ring once again. So, All right. So gathering done, up the rates,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see if I come out of retirement or not.
0: Yeah. Well, if your wife comes by and just, you know, upside the head <laughs> with something, or one of your happy hoarder collectibles, one of your pops there throws it, then I'll know that isn't the case. But my friend, all <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. One of those uh, pops. You try to go ahead on whatnot. You sell off every now and then. But once again, it is to. Great to have you here, my friend. Please go ahead and check out and support Josh today at happyordercollectibles.com. He's got a ton of stuff going up there. And I'm sure something we're going to talk about here in a minute in regards to a success story on the box office front, even though there isn't much to talk about as far as success until next week, of course. We will go ahead and see if he has any pops coming up for that as well. But we're also facing the franchise and more. Look like, so it looks like a good addition for us here, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But my friend uh, starts off with, let's go ahead with the box office first off, because I know we're going to go ahead and deep discussion on Dune like we did on the Friday show. Melinda and Robbie and I, in regards to Dune Part 2, getting all this hype, we're going to go ahead and start. We'll go ahead and make some predictions here about how much it will do at the box office next time around here, coming up here in a bit, but... In the midst of what's going to go on there and the pre-sales, I've already got my ticket for it. There was still a box office weekend. Bob Marley's One Love has now gone over $100 million worldwide. Uh, I think it is surprising many. Uh, It's not going to be a huge hit by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a movie that does have legs, a movie that did come out and basically dusted off the disaster known as Madam Web. And it's so funny because the, the articles attached to Madam Web are the ones that say, okay, whatever franchise, side franchises Sony had planned as far as Morbius and Madame Webb, they've all bit the dust with their failures. But big shout out to also as well, season four, episode one, or you said it was a combo episode of Demon Slayer, a a, a show that's really, really still getting people out there, getting people interested. It is one of the top anime shows out there still being made today it's it's provided a good concrete story and following i know i caught the first two seasons with my daughter your thoughts on the number two movie at the box office this weekend it's actually a limited release of demon slayer
1: yeah you know it's funny if you look in the top like 15 films of the year so far three of them are animes you have um and you have a uh, mobile suit gundam seed freedom and then you have the demon slayer film but yeah I, I mean so a lot of people don't know this if you're don't go to the movie you're expecting like because they'll you know every time that like an anime comes out they'll do an original film yeah you know, like dragon ball has dragon ball superhero um you know mobile suit gundam freedom uh, there's a lot of others like they're they're actual feature films but the demon slayer movie is not a feature film it's a basically they have the the last episode of the last season which is i want to say it's like an hour and 20 minutes and then they have the first episode of the new season which is about 23 minutes so it's kind of like a you get to see uh, you know if, if you didn't catch up on the last season you kind of get a recap of what happened and then you have a brand new never before seen episode at the end of it which is cool because i don't think it drops in the state um on crunchyroll for another like three weeks so you get to kind mm-hmm. of get a taste of that early, but yeah, no, I'm excited to watch because I think we're going tomorrow night tax to, to see it actually. So oh that's cool. You know, me, yeah, me, and my girls are excited about that. And uh, it, it's just nice to have more Demon Slayer. You know, it's funny because the, the, the Funko pops we we're talking about anime pops don't sell in the off seasons. Like when they're not playing new episodes you won't sell any of those figures, but now that Demon Slayer is coming back, actually, we did a convention a couple uh, no, last weekend and sold a butt ton of Demon Slayer stuff, so that's nice. Now, so I'm if missus
0: throws one at you, if another yes. thing should happen again later mm-hmm. down the line, make sure it's off season if it's anime,
1: it's right? off ex- exactly, yeah, because okay. we got to sell that. If it hits me in the back of the head and it breaks the box, we can't sell that anymore, okay? So fair enough, all right. Good, I just want sure. to make sure know that. So now I'm just waiting for uh you know, no,
0: no, no, not that one. Uh, the one over there. That's on clearance.
1: Yeah, you can use that one. Yeah, throw me, throw one of those Star Wars ones. I mean, nobody wants those, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's cool. Now I'm just waiting for my hero to come back because I've nobody I can't even give those pops away right now. So yeah, uh Demon Slayer kind of excited about it um you know i don't know how how much money it'll make but it's kind of cool to see that we're getting more and more you know anime feature films and theaters because it's kind of a, a it's been a big few years for japanese animation
0: absolutely has been and it's becoming more and more respected uh you know just absolutely fantastic in fact oscar nominated as well more appreciation for the greats in this industry in the anime genre You know, uh, you talked about Star Wars. They've leaned into Japanese anime as well in recent times as well. So yeah, more and more respect and love is given or is being given to the anime genre. It is now becoming less and less of a surprise. I knew that when I saw the posters come up and that it would be, you know, being the season four episode and season three, like you said, as far as the be basically combined into one movie length type showing was going to be playing in theaters. I knew it would have the short term effect like that because it seems like every single time they're doing that, it is now no longer becoming a surprise for these anime hits that they're having.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can almost like when there's a new season coming out, you can expect a movie of some sort, whether it's a episode compilation or what, You can always just expect that to to come out, which is cool.
0: But it was funny because you said that the number one worldwide at the box office for this year is a movie you and I probably five or 10 years ago would have seen displayed at the local supermarket or Walmart in the red box and just see it displayed as a straight to DVD uh, movie in the beekeeper so tell me your thoughts on what has made the beekeeper such an outstanding success
1: i think it's honestly the fact that you just don't have to think about anything when you watch it because that's your typical jason statham movie like no nobody watched the transporter movies and were like oh this was amazing but people watch them because they're cool and they're easy to watch much like it was discussed with the mummy it's just it's you can kick your feet up make some popcorn or or you know eat some candy or whatever and just enjoy it you don't really have to think about it that's kind of i don't know if jason statham's ever been in anything that's like overly a snatch was a pretty overly complicated film but um you know he's he's just in those movies he plays those types of characters where it's it's easy to just sit back and you at the end of it you're like no you're not saying this was an amazing movie but you're like oh that was fun so I think that's where we're at with the Beekeeper. because And honestly, there's nothing good with, you know, there's a re-release of Dune or
0: whatever that's been out. But there's not really anything. Which they have not advertised at all, my friend. And it's no, been... no. Wouldn't it have been great? Wouldn't it have been so smart if they were advertising a bundle of one and two on th- Wednesday or Thursday night to mm. go ahead and do that on an IMAX screen? Wouldn't that have been I... an awesome thing?
1: Yeah, I agree. They did that with Lord of the Rings. They did it with Harry Potter. And people paid to go
0: see them too. So that would have been the smart thing to do. Warner Brothers made no mention that it was been on Netflix the past three months. You think they would be advertising helping that first Dune Part 1? Because we want to make sure you're getting the money for Dune Part 2. But again, before we get into really Dune Part 2 here, coming up here after the break, I just want to get back to this weird box office so far when night swim, when a movie about a haunted pool, absolutely one of the worst ideas known to mankind for a movie that I've ever heard. Is this still, it's still in the top 10 in box office worldwide this year that tells you it's been a sluggish year so far at the box office.
1: Oh, absolutely! But you know what's weird about night swims—it it played on all of our like childhood fears. Anytime you go into a swimming pool as a kid, even as an adult, you're you're you have your you know swimming in the water, and even in the in the back of your mind, even the bravest souls uh, thinks about something grabbing their foot at some point, yanking them under the water. So um but we, we've always talked about this too the the versatility of horror films people always want to watch a horror film no matter what it is it, it, those years i spent working in the uh, the movie theaters I'd sit there in the box office and probably uh, eight out of the ten eight out of ten tickets i sold were tickets to, to horror movies things that people didn't people didn't even have any idea they just they they would show up and they say what what do you have playing they look at it and be like oh which one's a horror film they buy that ticket so it's Horror films are always going to do,
0: you know, decent, no matter what. Before we head to the break, my friend, you mentioned the Borderlands movie coming out here in the not too distant future. Well said coming soon. The first trailer dropped last week as far as the Borderlands movies concerned. Tell me your thoughts as someone who really thoroughly enjoyed the Borderlands series and absolutely raved on this show. the original borderlands game and you've gone over back and forth over the years on your like and sometimes dislike on the borderlands movie uh, games in succession dlc after that and all that stuff the way that's expanded upon the borderlands ip later on your thoughts on this initial trailer for borderlands
1: i i still don't even know how i i feel about there being a movie You know, I watched the trailer, and the trailer was, it looks like a movie. (laughs) You know, it doesn't look amazing, but it doesn't look terrible. It looks like it could be funny. Like, if I go in and completely cast aside all my background knowledge on the lore of Borderlands and just sit there and kind of just watch it for what it is, I could see myself being like, all right, this could be okay. But also, in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking, like, none of these characters really um there's not really any reason for all these characters to be hanging out together cuz like Roland uh played by Kevin Hart you have Lilith who's played by uh Kate Blanchett uh so them two are characters from the original game and Claptrap is just there but like Krieg the psycho is a DLC character Tiny Tina is a she's an NPC from a uh who's just in it briefly in Borderlands 2 and then she has her DLC Tiny Tina's uh, Um, Tiny
0: Tina Wonderland, I think Wonderland
1: that's what I'm looking for yeah but anyways it just doesn't it doesn't make if I'm thinking you know comparing it to the lore it doesn't really make sense for all these characters what about
0: Tannis with Jamie Lee Curtis's character? Tannis yeah
1: yeah so I don't know it just doesn't really make sense to me that all these characters are like hanging out together but then again with a movie like this it, you would almost have to cast aside the lore to do something with it so i don't know man i don't know i'm I'm on the fence what have you seen it the the
0: trailer what are your thoughts i have seen the trailer uh you know they all are i guess the style is you know what we're gonna save the universe or save this planet or whatever get all these different gun variations just like the game get some loot i guess there's supposed to be some loot at the end of all this instead of just getting random loot boxes all over the place like mm-hmm. you would normally would I guess there's more of a, it's supposed to have this Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, you know, yes. they played music that they uh, accompanied with that would em- emote that type of GOTG theme. I guess it's all right, but they are really heavily buying in on the Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, the half serious tone of wherever's going on, you're joking yeah. throughout the entire thing. I really think that it wants to desperately be as close to a Guardians of the Galaxy clone as possible. It's just coming off as such at this point.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, definitely.
0: Which may be a good I thing, think. but I'm not so sure right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was feeling the same thing when I watched it. So, I, and yeah, maybe, maybe it'll work. Uh, this is one of those films that could either <laughs> do. Good things for the game to film adaptations, or it could really kind of decimate the progress made thus far. So that's a it's a wild card.
0: We'll see what happens. But it is Borderlands? If you have any thoughts on that, or also as well, what's going on at the box office in the days before? What we hope is a great showing for Dune Part 2. Let us know your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcast. Well, my friend, it is Dune Part 2 coming up this time next, well, later this week. And again, uh, the Dune twenty Dune 1 20, uh, 2021 re-release, that is only being shown around the world. It's not being shown in the U.S. Again, I think it's a missed opportunity. All the stuff that Warner Brothers could have done to set this movie up better, they failed to do so. They had extra time. They gave themselves, because of the strike, six extra months to go ahead and get this thing set up. It is going to succeed because of the hype. You know, we talk about, you talk about critics culture, my friend. I know you don't like critic culture. In this case, because on YouTube and all over, everybody is absolutely praising this film, putting this in the category of uh, Empire Strikes Back and Lord of the Rings Two Towers as one of the greatest sequels of all time already because so many are doing that, it's got an 80 on Metacritic, really strong scores. I think that is going to be the reason why people are going to go out and check it out in the theaters this weekend.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is... I This I've is just, one that, of the
0: few times that it, critic culture will actually benefit a film.
1: Right, right. And I think it's also like the first one got really great reviews too didn't it for the most part for the most
0: part although it's funny because on these reviews i watched a ton of them you know and and a lot of them are saying well i didn't like the first the first one was a best picture nominee it was my favorite movie of 2021 it is my favorite movie along with everything everywhere all at once my favorite two movies of this decade that's how much I love Doom Part 1. I've seen it five times. That's how much I I love that film. People like, oh, it's too slow, the world building, I need to, have, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're now all saying that in hindsight. Well, the movie, again, was a Best Picture nominee. It was lauded and praised. But the problem is when it came out during the middle still of the coronavirus, obviously hampered box office returns, getting only around $400 million worldwide, my friend. We talked about it then how uh, that was a shame how not enough people could go out to the theaters and see it even if they wanted to hopefully they've been able to catch it since then but yeah it's just the way that that people are just like checking themselves oh well i didn't you know like it as much back then this one's much better this one's much better i'm like hmm hindsight is 2020 my friend in some cases
1: yeah, well, you know what's funny. I, I think we've talked about this before. Like Dune is a product of that era in science fiction books. Remember they like that they have fat books coming out, or they'd be like set up in trilogies or whatever. And it was always like the middle part that was the most exciting, mm-hmm. and, and then you know you had the first part would be like this giant world, the world building, whatever setting the characters up. The middle part would be like where all the cool stuff happens, and the last part of the story would just kind of like fizzle out or make some weird time jump that didn't make any sense that was what the ender's game books struggled with but so i think dune part two like i know villanue had said he wanted to make part three um but dune part Two messiah looks like it yeah so it sounds like dune part two is shaping up to be like just that though that that exciting middle piece in the book that really gives people what what they're looking for in a good movie, especially a good science fiction movie. And I think villain is the right person to deliver it. So I hope this movie does really well. I hope it actually gets people into the theaters to watch it. Like this could be, hopefully this will be the movie that the first movie to cross a billion dollars. And I don't, I can't say that it will because it doesn't have that like super franchise power that, you know, the MCU has and all that, but who knows, man, it could be, I mean, Oppenheimer wasn't that either. And it, uh, you know, slowly crossed a billion dollars, but yeah, okay. It's correct me if you think I'm wrong, but Zoslav is the guy's name, right? That runs is running Warner Brothers right now. I yes, think. that's correct. Does it seem to you? I know they're they're all it, I'm getting these vibes that they're all about cutting corners, uh, not corners, but cutting costs on things. So that might be why we're not seeing Dune being re released in the US. It might just be to the
0: a money thing, maybe. I don't know, because you're right, it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't do that or at least advertise it on commercials that sh- it's on netflix go to netflix and say can we do a 50 50 share on this as far as advertise hey catch this now before you see part two of it in theaters because yeah. it's been on the past two three months on netflix and it just seems like a missed opportunity or catch it on max etc cetera, etc cetera. but mm-hmm. it seems like a missed opportunity well they're still the shareholders love them because max for the first time year over year found its way to a profit so it's the first real time a streaming entity including netflix has made a profit throughout an entire year posting a 103 million dollar gain i think was the final end result so uh whether or not we like or enjoy the fact that he you know they cut cost and he's been at the head of it as far as some movies like for instance the batgirl movie a scoob both those movies will never see the light of day because they were <clears throat> because of tax considerations so and the cutting costs everywhere as far as shows and things. The fact is they haven't even advertised Tokyo Vice Season 2. You bet you didn't know Tokyo Vice was well, Season 2 was already back on the air, did you?
1: I just saw a trailer for it like two days ago. And just, it was just on. It. Yeah, I it was haven't seen the
0: trailer yet, but I knew. I found out through ver- uh, various sources that it was actually on. So I've caught up with it so far, and it's really good. But you wouldn't have known that because it did. they didn't advertise it at all.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and and Max is is uh you know it's not the streaming service I thought it would be. You know I thought that it was going to be something where they're constantly updating with new releases, but you go onto the new release section doesn't change. It seems like it has been several weeks just being exactly the same. So yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. Not not my favorite streaming service right now, but also uh, they've poured a lot
0: of money into it thus far, <laughs> and I think they're still hoping to see a profit, maybe maybe uh again they're still they're seeing a profit right now but a part of that was admitted because of the fact that they didn't have to put or make a lot with the productions being stopped because of the 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 strikes that also did something as well because that that also put more money in their pocketbooks because of the fact they didn't have to spend as much on production uh on that latter half of the year because of the strikes as well but uh, my friend, when it comes right down to it, I'm expecting Dune to do big numbers. I can't guarantee a billion. I am hoping for a billion dollar just because of the fact we will get more Dune and we will get it as a priority for Dune Messiah to come out as far as, or, or just basically more Denis Villeneuve as far as a visionary in the sci-fi universe to be able to continue to do what he wants if this movie is a success.
1: Do you think that I know we like dream project for him would be to complete the Blade Runner trilogy that he was work that you know they started out with? Um, do you think that there are any other like sci-fi books that he'd be good at adapting? Mass
0: Effect. Oh, oh did, I right. did I say <laughs> that did I say
1: that Mass Effect, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree Mass Effect would
0: be good. Just think in his hands, what would that be like?
1: oh just my that. gosh it'd be just a most beautiful film we've ever seen
0: absolutely because if you've taken a look at some of the reviews the visual effects are supposed to be outstanding in this film if you get a chance i'm only being able to see it on the xd the first time out i do plan on seeing it again in imax if i enjoy my first time around please watch it on the biggest screen possible it is dune part two please go ahead and make sure you do PopCultureCosmos cosmos at yahoo.com and let us know your thoughts uh, i hopefully will be able to get josh's uh, melinda and robbie's thoughts in the coming days once dune part two is released to hear their thoughts on how that movie and i will give a full review on this very show next week to let tell you exactly how good dune part two plus we'll give you some early box office numbers as well but yeah just looking forward to it, my friend because i think for me this is the biggest, most anticipated movie of the year for me. I know people would point to Deadpool and Wolverine, but right now there's only two movies on this entire calendar this year that I'm looking forward to, and that's The Dune Part Two and Deadpool and Wolverine, my friend. It really is not shaping up so far as a movie year to remember.
1: Yeah, I was just I actually just Googled like what movies are coming out. Does it only really look like there is a whole ton of things coming out that are that look that intriguing?
0: That's the problem, my friend. But uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Dune Part Two, plus everyone else is out there as well. Please let us know your thoughts on Dune Part Two, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But coming up after the break, uh, Josh and I are going to go into detail on Nintendo and PlayStation. What's gone on with for 2024? And also as well, we're facing the franchise with Harry Potter. We're going to focus in on Harry Potter a little bit more coming up here after the break. It is Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this is It's the Pop Culture Cosmos along with Josh, the great Peterson. Before we get into our conversation on Nintendo and PlayStation in 2024, Josh, what's going on at the happy hoarder collectibles.com?
1: I actually, the, the website is not working right now. So don't freak out if you can't buy anything. Um I got to do some updating and we did a convention. Like, I don't know if I told anyone this, but we like almost bit the dust a while back. And it's not due to the happy hoarder not being successful. It's just due to, uh, you know, we had some family costs that we had to pull some money out of the happy hoarder to handle. But, um, you know, we're, we're back on our feet. We're, we're going back. Everything should be fine.
0: You've got another kid coming on the way. Oh,
1: I know. I know. Hopefully happy hoarder will be, uh, you know, fully functional machine by then. Anyways. Uh, yeah, we're just, we did a convention last weekend in, uh, Belton, Texas called anime right. Sunic, sunica. I think that was the name of it. Really cool. The, uh, l- lady that did the theme song for season two of demon slayer was there. So that was fun. Um, Yeah, we did pretty well. We got a Comic-Con at the local zoo coming up, which is gonna be cool. And that's on the day of the solar eclipse or the weekend before the solar eclipse. So um, if you're in Texas, one of those people migrating out there, step by to see this happen. Stop uh, stop by the Cameron Park Zoo that weekend. We'll be out there with our tent set up and selling some some goods. But uh, yeah, it's just Keep checking back the old Facebook and social media for more uh, more information. And the, the website will be up soon, I promise you. And we will have some
0: amazing things up there. And that'll be happyhoardercollectibles.com. So hopefully everybody will go ahead and give it a shot once he gets it back up and running. Go ahead, and take a look. And you also, are you planning any more uh, whatnots anytime soon? Whatnot auctions?
1: Yeah, yeah. Right now I'm kind of going through my inventory. I am, there are certain like Funko Pops before I put them on whatnot. I have to wait. You know, a few months to do it because that's the stipulations that come from the distributors. So, uh, yes, I will be doing some more. Probably next week, I will do a whatnot stream. So, yeah, you, can, I'll, I'll make sure I post the links on our page and I'll put a link up on the Pop Culture Cosmos uh, Facebook page too.
0: Oh, awesome, my friend! I'm always looking forward to it. Again, when he gets it up and running, Happy Hoarder Collectibles.
1: Yes, right www.happyhoardercollectibles.com.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. absolutely once he gets that side up and going happy hoarder collectibles also as well the happy hoarder on facebook happy hoarder on social media and of course on whatnot as well you're listening to the pop culture cosmos what is planet cool stuff it's your ultimate destination for insightful exploration from the realm of pop culture delve into the world of movies video games toys cartoons And visit with one-of-a-kind creators, discover incredible places, and see historical artifacts. Whether it's a toy room tour or exploring the best of pop culture cinema, Planet Cool Stuff has got you covered. Planet Cool Stuff, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. But My friend, always great to chat with you here. But I wanted to ask you this, being you and I the avid gamers. It's funny because I finally got around. I love Games Pass. I'm sorry. I'm an unbashed fan of (laughs) Games Pass. I just about ready to finish. Well, just I'm just gonna say I was about ready to finish Rise of the Tomb Raider, oh, okay. Uh, and I was able to get that, uh, you know, via the cloud. I didn't have to install it once on my hard drive, and I'm almost ready to go ahead and finish it up. I like it. I like the service. I think I've, you know, I I have nothing but great things about to say about it, but. You wanted to say something my friend before we had to Oh. Yes,
1: yeah, sorry. You were you're I thought you were about to say that you're you're about to finish playing Bluey and I was like, "Dude, I just played that game this weekend. I finished That's it." That's funny. <laughs> uh, I think right.
0: I'll leave I'll leave Bluey to you and the kids,
1: then, my friend. Well, I downloaded it for um for one of our daughters and then She wasn't home to play it yet when it finished. I was like, I'll check this out. It's it's like a four-hour game. I don't know. It reminded me of the old Rugrats PS1 games. You know, we can wander around Tommy Pickle's house and kind of collect all the rewards and stuff. So if you're an achievements person, it's definitely an easy game. But uh, yeah, Tomb Raider, I actually really loved that remake trilogy. I didn't like how the third one ended because, uh, you know, I don't don't really... I think that the Mayan 2012, like, storyline was kind of used far too much but for the most part the games felt amazing they played really well as uh ados montreal i think put those ones together mm-hmm. but um yeah they were great did you so you played um what did you so sorry you played the tomb raider remake and you played Tomb Ra- rise of the tomb raider you said yes
0: this is the second for, one i played so yes absolutely. are you gonna do
1: shadow of the tomb raider next
0: uh, probably if I get a chance, uh, I, and then I'm going to get back into the Bioshock cause I was able to go ahead and purchase them for $8 on a, on a sale that 2k is, is, uh, actually thrown out there. So you can get it really cheap right now for the entire Bioshock trilogy. But yeah, looking forward to that, but games pass has really been a great deal for me, which brings me to my thoughts. This is the year, my friend, Xbox, if they were smart, you talk about the, I guess, the ability to take advantage of a certain marketplace. Sony with PlayStation, after the announcement a couple of weeks ago that was mentioned that Sony will not have any first party major AAA releases this year, or at least as far as sequels or anything of that nature. All the big games that you know are needing a sequel. They're not going to be able to bring it out this year. Nintendo, widely rumored and reported out there that the Nintendo Switch, whichever was delayed, which never was announced, as far as having a delay, but the Nintendo switch Two or whatever they call it, going to call it that is being pushed back into next year. This is the time for Xbox to do it now, but your thoughts on PlayStation and Nintendo, I understand Nintendo's is probably going to have some type of first party releases this year. That's going to wow and amaze. But for the most part, it sounds like, or am I wrong? Do you think they're punting both of them this year on 2024?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, i yeah because nintendo is definitely there are a lot of whispers out there about the switch coming out this holiday season so i think that that is going to be a smart move for them but also i it sounds to what i'm reading is like the last big switch releases of this this uh generation are going to be the pokemon gold and silver remakes that they've been talking about i, th- I think is gold and silver it could be white and black i don't remember but um yeah, it sound, it, from what I'm reading and this is what all the, you know, the the rumor mill is spinning around that the Switch 2 is supposed to drop uh October, September October or sometime.
0: Until the, the recently uh, by Eurogamer and several ports saying it's been pushed back into Q1 or Q2 of oh, uh, next year.
1: I didn't hear that. Yeah, I didn't hear yeah, that.
0: That was the most recent uh reports put out. There was put out first I believe in uh, South American reports, but uh, was corroborated by several outlets including Eurogamer that uh, it's been pushed back to next year or at least the first quarter of fiscal quarter of next year but uh, again it's never been announced so we don't know you know when if it was ever intended to be coming out this year or not but it's it's about time it's about time that a new switch comes out because it's they've been able to bank and make money on the switch for quite some time your thoughts, though, on this, my friend, it just seems with all that's going on, even if PlayStation comes out with a PlayStation 5 Pro, yeah, does it still seem like they're, you know, with no software support or no real first party games that are on the horizon, unless we hear big announcements that say otherwise, that both Nintendo and Sony are, are giving up on 2024 as a whole?
1: Yeah, I don't know, because it, y- you, I don't know. Did you hear it was a news article? Sorry, I'm stuttering, but there's an, an article popped out. I forget who it was. It was involving the CEO of PlayStation, and he was saying that, or the person in charge of PlayStation, he was saying that we're not going to see any new um existing franchise yeah, titles. First part, yeah,
0: that's what I said. First party, AAA sequels, or Yeah, until like
1: 2025. So. I don't know man that's a great question like i part of me is hopeful that they end up having because we got final fantasy 7 coming out at the end of this week so i'm hoping that we are going to see final fantasy
0: 7 rebirth everybody rebirth
1: yeah so i'm hoping we're going to see some games that maybe aren't attached to any existing franchises but could be the beginning of something um you know how anytime we watch the uh the xbox conferences i'm like i always hope i I want a new like triple a ip and then you know they say like hey this is coming out we don't see it for 10 years but um PlayStation yeah I'm, I'm hoping that they're they're going to do the same thing or or maybe even like a remake cuz we're there've been, whisp- been whispers around about a, a new Spiral of the Dragon game for for years so maybe this is the the year that we're going to get to see it I don't know man I'm I'm hopeful but uh yeah it, it, right now there's nothing really concrete that's uh coming out in t- this year that people are getting real excited for there's a lot of JRPGs but not really anything that's um you know no no heavy hitters like a like god of war or any or anything like that death uh death stranding
0: 2 is that coming out this year death stranding 2 uh that is not scheduled for release this year. okay
1: all right yeah usually i can you can check things out on the game informer side is pretty well informed but yeah i mean i haven't beyond that i don't know man i don't know
0: that's gonna be a shame so it seems right now with no release date inside because it says twenty twenty five for Death Stranding two. So okay. it seems like right now that Xbox has everything to gain. So if it does make headway, and I don't care if they don't like, they don't care about their console sales. Yada yada, yada they only want Games Pass. I care about console sales. I care about them still being a force in the industry because when you have three entities such as Nintendo, Xbox. And PlayStation, yeah, I understand the console market will change in 10 years to be something completely different, but it does expand on the creativity. It does expand on the number of outlets that are able to go ahead and produce quality games. And with Xbox now seemingly with exclusives on the way for themselves three or four at least this year, that could be an advantage for them it's just about them getting the word out because their messaging is always very muddled and unclear
1: yeah that's why i have to go on podcasts and <laughs> cl- clarify what they're trying to say yeah cuz i'm looking at um i'm looking at game informers site i'm looking at all the game releases here and there really is like nothing for ps5 that is coming out that seems to be like a big hitter um that is not also being released on the xbox so yeah this is is a very interesting thing and i'm hoping that um you know xbox will make some announcements some of these big titles we've been awaiting for years that they'll say like oh hey it's coming out this holiday season because you know they do that during the the summer months they'll do their uh not state of play what do they call it the xbox uh showcase showcase yeah so hopefully we'll get some some news there but yeah i don't know i mean this is uh 2024 is not does not is not it's no 2017 if you know what i mean
0: it's no 2007 it's no 2023 which was a great year for gaming Mm -hmm. i still think 2007 is the most monumental year for gaming uh, and you're not going to get me off that mountain because of what it did for the industry uh but you know there has been some good games that have come out this year i mean hell divers 2 has been amazing uh for that's a great success for sony and uh basically on the pc as well uh getting as as much as what four or five hundred thousand concurrent players on on steam it's been been outstanding Uh, yeah absolutely so there's been some good quality games to come out this year we got dragon's dogma 2 in the not too distant future third-party games are not going to be a problem it's the problem of first-party games and whether or not you will have enough from these three different manufacturers and right now, if all goes well, Xbox would be the only one that can say that did their job this year.
1: Okay, let me ask you a question. All right, because I am, I'm, I'm caught up on the Halo series, and I, I, wow, yes. man, I'm, so, I'm really, I never thought I'd be admitting this, but I'm, I'm really. Here we go. I'm excited for this next episode to come out. I'm like, dang, like this is, uh, you know, because they they set up all this like uh, backstabbing and betrayal, but then they don't make you wait, you know. Hundred episodes to see it play out, like in Game of Thrones, it's
0: kind of like an instant delivery of we waded of... through one season of poo-poo. I feel yeah. like a way, I feel like I was in a sewer and I had to wade through one season mm-hmm. of garbage coming up into a light as far as the second season concerned, which has been pretty good. Yeah. and then the last episode came out the fall of reach or the beginning of the fall of reach mm-hmm. which is their by far and away their best episode ever which mm-hmm. again there were some tropes in it like the old lady with the store you know talking about her history well okay there always has to be someone at the very end of a whatever catastrophe i'm going to stay with my stuff or stay here because it's tradition it's what's going to live on blah 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 okay well if they glass the planet nothing lives on lady sorry i hate to tell you but you know, there are other things, other tropes in there that I, that I did like. But again, the action and the look and feel was something they have never done before in that series. And again, I, I can't believe we are actually praising the work of Halo for once and for all.
1: Right. After how much we bagged on this show last year or the year before that. That was uh yeah this one, is of completely- one of the worst
0: shows of 2022 I think we mm-hmm. called it
1: oh absolutely absolutely so uh, back to my other question though he um,
0: still doesn't have his helmet on he still like, he doesn't, doesn't even have a suit on. right now Spoiler. but it's funny
1: because like I'm I'm like you're getting used to it focusing in on this character yeah and I'm not even thinking about him being the master chief he's just some some big like buff guy that you you just don't want to see get shot by the covenant you know? and, and the
0: other big I mean there was two big deaths in this latest episode one -hmm. of them is to a character that's consistent with the video games that actually died in a different fashion in the video games are you okay with that
1: yeah that was that was weird to me part of me is like wondering if he's not actually dead because he's kind of a, a key player in getting the spartans you know and everybody off of reach before it explodes but also their suits are gone so i don't know where that's unless like catherine halsey's gonna be like oh i got this closet you know where i've been working on these new Majolner armor or whatever but uh that all remains to be seen i guess do do you think all right let me let me hit you with two questions here um Mm -hmm. one do you think that this halo show is going to inspire
0: a gears of war show well gears of war is already planned out I believe on Netflix. Right. They okay. Dave Bautista.
1: Did they, they confirm that that was actually happening?
0: I believe they have confirmed it was. Ha- oh, it was ha- it cool. was mentioned last year. So I, as of now, I, I obviously would love to interview Dave Bautista to find out if it's still a go, but I believe that that's the case. But if I hear anything differently, obviously I'll report it here first. But the belief is yeah. that there is a Gears of War movie and or series that will be coming to Netflix down the road. So so back to
1: gaming do you think that xbox needs to show something related to halo or gears this year in order to keep those franchises active and interesting or do you think that if they don't do something this year at least show a a movie trailer or something um Do you think that people are just going to lose interest in these franchises for good because it's been several years now since we've seen any movement from either of
0: those oh they blundered with halo infinite don't give me the season one season two whatever you know i mean the hardcores love the new seasons and all that absolutely but for the casual fan you know you've got to present dlc you got to present some some type of story and by the way i just posted the gears of war movie tv set series adaptation uh that was by netflix it's a uh, animated series and a live action movie just to let you know um okay. wanted to go ahead and mention that yeah the halo infinite they've totally blown it but yeah it would be great if they at least announced something in the realm of halo and gears of war coming up in june later this year
1: you know it's a real slap in the face though is that with halo people play it like it's not one of those like call of duty just like play the campaign for fun you have a whole plethora of people who want to play this game because they love the lore and they love the campaign and they just they don't halo infinite they did not pay much attention to that campaign so i feel like they need to come back with like go back to the roots
0: of what made halo so good and that was the actual campaign itself we'll see what happens my friend but it is the sony playstation's well, are you okay when you heard the comments made by the vice president of Sony? Because there is no president of Sony right now. Um, I want to ask you this when you heard that the PlayStation's on the second half of its lifestyle cycle, that was the comment that was made. How did that strike you to someone who did buy in and reported on this show that you did buy into the scalpers and bought the PlayStation 5 early on when it was very, you know, in scarce supply?
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't actually regret buying the PlayStation. I I paid two hundred dollars extra for it, but that's because I really wanted it, man. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just made me feel like time has gone by really fast. Because then the uh, the Xbox One and PlayStation Four were seven years, I think that cycle yep. lasted.
0: We're in about closing in on three and a half.
1: Oh, that's crazy. That is crazy. So I don't know. I hope I hope that we still get some like really kick butt games come out before this thing ends
0: if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari the great crew at retro city games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Ugh. So, you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, you, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> <laughs> well played sir well played yes that's the only reason for the flashbacks to remind you what a good matrix movie was that's the pop culture cosmos show and the pcc multiverse catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts once again it is the pop culture cosmos thanks so much for joining us it is gerald glassford along with josh peterson but before we head on out it's been a great episode my friend i love how the fact that we don't always go in with the strict notes for pop culture because we always let it play out to what's current and what's out there. And it's always good that we can go ahead and chat about it because, again, that's why we do this show because you and I love talking talk about pop culture so much. But before we head out, it is our continuing series that you started, my friend, Facing the Franchise. Where are we at with Facing the Franchise with Harry Potter?
1: All right, so I want to talk about the first three Harry Potter films today. So, 2001, we got this uh, little movie based on a franchise nobody had ever heard of called Harry Potter, and it's actually directed by Chris Columbus, who did uh, Home Alone. I I will be honest with you, like I did not watch this movie f- until uh, I want to say after the until the fourth movie came out. I, I watched it before I went to go see the fourth one, but. I, I don't know. I was just like I I was never a fan of movies based on books that I really loved because I've always felt like it kind of ruined it for me. But then there's so much hype over the Harry Potter franchise that I actually went over. <clears throat> sorry, as a as a movie franchise, I actually went back and started watching. Them. I was like, oh, this is actually for film at ad- for a film adaptation. This movie is actually pretty good. Did you what? did you watch it in theaters or where did you first see the first Harry Potter movie All on
0: TV? I've caught, I've caught, I've only watched one Harry Potter movie in TV. I think it was death uh, on movies in the movies, deathly hell is part two. Everything else I've caught on TV. So, okay. Did you have any history with the books before that? No, my wife did. My wife is a Harry Potter head, uh, but I'm not, she watched the books and she, she, we went to go see one of them in the theaters, but, uh, for the most part, uh, I have spent most of my time watching it and enjoying it with her on a casual basis because I'm not a huge fan, but my kids are. My kids have enjoyed Harry Potter, so that's how really uh, you know we all got into it was was uh, watching it uh, in the you know watching the movies all on television you know on various formats throughout the years.
1: Yeah right right and that's kind of where yeah i borrowed the dvds from a friend and i watched them i guess where i got started on the the actual film franchise but because so looking back there are the first two movies you have the sorcerer's stone and the chamber of secrets they do not the production value seems very low on those compared to what eventually came did you do you after watching so if you were to go back and watch the first one back when it came out would you have thought to yourself like oh hey the rest of them this is going to be what the rest of the films look like or would you have thought like oh this is going to slowly start getting bigger and bigger
0: i depended on the age of the children how they age out that's always because that's always a risk how well do these kids relate to the audience as they get older sometimes they just lose their charm. It's no, no, not necessarily through any fault of their own, but maybe it's because they're interested in acting, what have you, because we've seen child actors disappear. They go off and they have regular lives or some of them, they just don't stay with it. But I understand that they are probably contracted for all the all these movies well ahead of time to go ahead and, and, and have to be a part of them. But they did, a, the kids are the most imperative thing as far as how they grew up and was a, were able to go ahead and relate to the audience continuously throughout. And have you still buying in to whatever was going on around them and their their interest level? They may have weaned themselves or may have gotten tired in the older movies of being there, being do, you know doing the Harry Potter films. I get that. I understand that. I mean, just talk to any Marvel actor as far as all the Marvel movies that they right. were contracted to do back in the day, in the last decade. But They did such a great job talking to the audience and conveying to the audience that they were still very much capable of handling things and handling the dark forces in those films. That's why I think uh, I find the Harry Potter films a good watch. Not as compelling to me as as other film franchises, but still very good to watch and obviously the reason why they're so successful today.
1: Right, right. And you know, with these with with child actors and you're doing especially if you're doing a long series you have to be quick with like mate pumping these movies out so you had you know sorcerer stone came out in 2001 i thought i thought it was an all right movie it's not it's not my favorite to go back and watch i usually fall asleep none of them are
0: to me are great movies at all they're just they're yeah. popcorn flicks to me mm-hmm. uh, pretty much
1: yeah well i mean the sorcerer stone feels a lot like a kid's movie and i think originally it was designed to be a kid's movie yeah and then same thing with Chamber of Secrets is weird because you can see definite, definite growth there with the, the actors themselves. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if I, I don't know who directed the second one. I think it might have been Chris Columbus still. But I, I'm wondering if the producers saw how much they grew between 2001 and 2002. And they're like, oh, man, we really got to uh, finish cranking these movies out or else these kids are going to be like, you know, in their 40s by the time we're done, uh, you know, with the last Harry Potter film. So. Uh, you know, you can see they, they. I was, I always wondered, like, do you when you start cranking these movies out, do you take the quality away? But I, you know, having read the books, like, I, *Sorcerer's Stone* was pretty spot on, *Chamber of Secrets* was pretty spot on. Um, you know, and then we moved on to *Prisoner of Azkaban* in 2004, so they took, you know, they took a two-year break there. But that was when the, you know, the production value really started to go up with these films, and they got. They got darker, and you can see like the set pieces got bigger, and the the I guess you said the color palettes, you know, like I was talk about got you under color palettes. I love me some color palettes, man. But they were definitely it was about the, the third one where you could see where the franchise was headed. But what um you know, they started introducing characters like Sirius Black in the the end of this one, so what do you out of the first three? Do you have a favorite? Like, do
0: is there one you prefer to watch over the others? Not really for me because I just don't have an attachment to it. I don't have a commitment from it. Mm-hmm. Even when we go to to Harry Potter Land at Universal Studios, either L.A. or Florida, I just don't. I, I see everybody else and the enjoyment they they get and the wonderment that they get, and it makes me happy to be around that. Yeah. But for me, it's just like. Not if I was at Mass Effect land right behind me, let's say, or Lord of the Rings. If Lord of the Rings they ever did the same thing, kind of treatment for Lord of the Rings, I'm stoked, man. I'm all in. Count me all in because of what the movies did for me. I found a connection there that I rarely have with any other films. Although check this time, check with me this time next week. We'll I may have that kind of attachment next week with Doom Part 2. But yeah, it just absolutely I, I never found the connection with it. I just, it's great for me to see because my wife and my kids enjoy it so much. As I said before, whether I like or dislike a film, I just appreciate it and I'm so happy when somebody else enjoys an entertainment medium of some type, even if I like or dislike it or I don't love it or love it as much as you do. I just enjoy, happy that you find enjoyment out of it as a friend and it just, that that's because that's what entertainment is supposed to be all about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is and they, you know, it's because it's funny because Lord of the Rings came out around the same time, you know, as the Harry Potter movies were getting big and just like right out the gates with the Lord of the Rings. So like you, they were, it went, they went big, right? They like, it was like a go big or go home and they, they went big. Whereas with the Harry Potter films, it took them a couple of movies to find their, their footing before they're fully able to immerse people in this world. But even, even still, man, even the, the first two Harry Potter movies that were, you know, obviously designed to be more, more like childish, they, I think they did a good job of transporting you to that world and making you feel, um, you know, kind of what these kids were feeling and giving you a, you know, making Hogwarts feel like home. I think they did an amazing
0: job with that. Well, my friend, again, when it comes right down to it, Harry Potter series will be outstandingly remembered as one of the great movie IPs of all time. Absolutely. The franchise itself has been fantastic. But we talked about David Zaslav. Earlier in the show, the head of uh, Warner Brothers, as far as all that with the, of course, Max channel and all that, who has talked about and is going to and said that the Harry Potter series will return, uh, the Harry Potter IP will return as a TV series in 2026. Your thoughts on that? Any uh, kind of misgivings or anything like that? It does not appear to be Harry Potter Coming out of the minivan, like I told you, like I wanted to see him fighting the forces of evil after soccer practice. Looks like it's going to be a reboot or refresh of some kind. Yeah, that part I'm not sure I'm in love with. So soon after the original,
1: yeah, you know, it's funny about this. So, in the if you ever watch the extended cuts of the first two Harry Potter movies, I forget which one it is, but they talk about like how daniel radcliffe got cast into that role and originally his parents i think they were friends with the producers and they didn't want their son radcliffe to be a part of it but they just brought him on set to like kind of see what's going on but i guess they finally convinced him to let him do it and that changed his life so they interviewed daniel radcliffe about this movie after they announced like 2026 it was coming out and he's like they're asked if he's going to be a part of it he goes no it doesn't make sense because people already associate him with harry potter so if he were in the show it kind of removed focus from the new kid they have playing harry potter but i did like that he said um you know in a few months there's going to be a lucky 10 year old boy out there whose life is going to change forever and i'm sitting there thinking like that's you know a nice little passing down of the torch but looking at this series it is you know, they, there's there's a lot of ways it could go right and a lot of ways that it could go wrong. They're saying it's going to be faithful to the books, So the movies are pretty faithful to the books, but there's, there's details left out. Like there's extended storylines that were left out just because you don't have time. You know, you only have, what, two hours to tell a story in a movie. But with a show, I think they really have time to elaborate on the characters, um, which is, I don't, I don't know, which I, I don't think is a bad thing.
0: Not a bad thing at all, my friend. So we'll see how it shapes out. And I know we'll talk about it here when it comes out. 2026, I know it's still a long ways away, but we'll see what happens as a Harry Potter IP gets revived once again. But your thoughts on the Harry Potter franchise. Are you a Potterhead? Because the movies or the books? We want to hear your thoughts. Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: uh play the bluey video game if you're bored and you need someone to play the bluey video game is uh i don't know it's uh, an
0: entertaining few hours for me xbox games pass my friend there you go right. free 99 free 99 indeed so for josh the great peterson it's gerald glassford thanks again for watching listening it's truly appreciated it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos thank you for listening and so here's hoping You have yourself a crate.